Okay, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. Uh, my name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram at Ask Adam Torres to keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, signings, all that other good stuff. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, moneymatterstoptips.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. All right, so today I'm excited to have Ken Carey on the line. He is the co-founder and executive creative director over at script to screen uh, Ken, welcome to the show. Thank you, Adam, very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. So uh, I'm excited to get into what you're doing over at script to screen I mean, you've been in business, you know, over 30 years, and you really yeah. are a pioneer in your industry. And, I mean, we're going to get into some of the big brands and the well-known things that um, that many of the listeners are, are well acquainted with, that you are the, you're, you're, you know, you're the behind the scenes on that. Um, but before we get into all of that, I'd like to get into your background a little bit more. Um, How did you get started as an entrepreneur? Well, that's an interesting question. You know, one of the one of the things that we were talking about earlier was about you know you know it, getting really talking to your audience, and and that really is kind of how I started. I mean, out of college, I went to San Diego State University, and um, I was in the television and film and journalism department via a football scholarship, and um, football kind of got me there, but I started really fallen in love with journalism and telecommunications and then since I since the coaches weren't as excited about me being a player as I was <laughs> in other words I wasn't <laughs> as good as I thought I was <laughs> I uh I started really getting into you know the whole journalism and telecommunications field so what I did was I took that knowledge from football and I was able to adapt that to directing and directing college football games and and baseball and volleyball and all that kind of stuff because I really what happened was with football because I was in um, television and journalism was that I would be a director and then I, since I really understood the game I can really tell a story really well about um, when you're producing uh, when you're directing a football game because really a football game on television is really you're telling a story from mm-hmm. two teams going from zero to an end of the end of the game where one has more points than the other. And you have to tell that story visually and audibly through your announcer. So I started doing that, and I really, really liked it. And then I, when I left San Diego State, I worked for ABC Sports, and I did Monday Night Football, baseball, the Olympics, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, after about three years, Adam, you know, what's interesting is that I, I loved it. I loved what I was doing, but... Um, you know, once you once you go to a Super Bowl and a World Series and an NBA Finals and an Olympics, it's just another game. I mean, it really is. Wow. It sounds it sounds weird, but it's just it sounds, another game. That sounds very weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's just another game, and it's like, okay, this is great, but what's next? I had this yearning of what's next. So, anyways, um, I'll I'll condense the story a little bit. I met my wife, and she um, was the um, at ABC, a, a, ABC Television in Los Angeles, she was the on-air talent doing sports, and we we met um, at a, a at a station. So we both knew that we wanted to do something different. So we started seeing these programs on TV late at night. They called infomercials, and we didn't really understand what was going on. But what we did know from our from our contacts at 
networks was there's a lot of media being purchased. And if you're buying media over and over again, that means something is working and you're making mm. enough money to do it. Mm-hmm. So that caught our interest. So we got into, we said, hey, and it's, the funny thing, Adam, was, is that it was really bad television. It was like really crap. <laughs> yeah. And we're like looking at ourselves, we make network quality television. We can wow. do this. Well, we did that, and we had our own idea of our product and service, so we left our jobs with, you know, left everything and started going about doing this. Well, we failed miserably, but but I always called it our Ph.D. in entrepreneurship and business and in, in the business of what we're in. So through a certain amount of time, about two years, we were able to figure out what exactly um, an infomercial was, how you had to craft a message, how you had to basically turn a prospect into a customer and do that in 30 minutes on a television show. And then so what we were able to do is we were able to get whole again with what we lost. And then all of a sudden people started calling us out of the blue saying, hey, we saw this show. Would you produce it for us? And we said, sure. And then that started our entrepreneurial business after two years of sucking and scraping and just feeling like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? And then slowly getting through it. And then here we are 30 years later and we've have a, we've been very blessed with a very nice business and, and, and do business worldwide. Wow. That's a, that's an amazing story. And, um, and I mean, just the amount of, um, you know, success and revenue you've been able to, you know, Mm -hmm. generate for your clients. I mean, it's pretty, pretty outstanding. I mean, over $6 billion, um, over 600 direct to consumer campaigns, just, I mean, you guys are definitely, um, grown and done very well in this space. Um, so I, what, one thing I would ask, though, I mean, obviously hindsight being 2020, and all of us as entrepreneurs, we learn along yeah. the way. If you could mm-hmm. go back to that Ken that was just getting started, just starting out, um, what kind of advice would you tell him? I would definitely say study your competition or what you perceive to be your co- competition up one, up one side and down the other. What are they doing? What's working? What hasn't working? Now, I mean, the 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 advantage that people have today is the internet. I didn't have that when we started that business, so you can really find out what people are doing, what they've done, and and what's worked and what hasn't worked. So that's a huge thing. Find out, you know, I mean, totally creep on your competition, understand what they're doing, understand what they're not doing well, and then don't make those mistakes of what they did, right? So that would be the, the the first piece of advice. The second piece of advice is if you if you really 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 believe in what you're doing, and I think that entrepreneurs, I think a majority of the entrepreneurs do. I think there's a there's a there's a part of entrepreneurship that sounds sexy and says I want to go make some money and I want to be rich and this and that and everything, but they're flopping from one thing to the next and they're trying to do it on their own. So that's a that's a different market, but Get to a point where you really, really believe in what you're doing and you have and you're totally confident what you're doing and then just do you. Do you be who you are, be what the service you're trying to provide, solve the problems that your customer that you really, really believe in and it will come. It may not come right away. But if you continue to be true to yourself and 
don't waver off that, that it, it will it will turn to be successful. Now, what does that mean? Success means many things to different people, but those two things are absolutely critical. Do your do your homework, do your research, and love what you do. I love that advice, and it's because you know I t- I tell people this all the time. It's like you know somebody has an idea, they want to go out and do it, and a lot of people ask me you know questions, and the first thing I always ask them is I say. Well, who else is doing that business in your, that, that you want to do? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. if, and then the other thing I throw out there: well, if nobody's doing it, <laughs> maybe there's a reason. <laughs> <laughs> there might be a reason. Number one, number two: if your idea is that groundbreaking, do you have the money and/or the capability to raise that money because you're right. that far ahead of your time? It'd be a great idea. Wrong timing. Um, right. Doesn't matter. You still end up bankrupt. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's interesting about that comment because I think it's another tip for entrepreneurs is, is try to stay as much as you can. Try to stay as own as as much as you can as long as you can. The minute you start looking for investors, the minute you start giving up what you're trying to do, it it could potentially. Um, pivot on what you what you really want to do as a business. So I'm not saying don't do it. For for some people, it's an absolute um, requirement. But try to hold out as long as possible because as an entrepreneur, you want to be you, you know you want to you want to drive your own destiny. And then when there's other people and other things, you know, pulling pulling levers that that have ownership or whatever, it starts to you know, you start to play into what maybe someone else wants, not exactly what, what you want. And I, like I said, I understand financial aspects of it as well, but try to hold out for as long as you possibly can on what you believe in. No, great stuff. Not compli- I think you use the word complicates or pulls into I think that's an understatement. <laughs> it, can, <laughs> it, can, it can make you not want to do what you want to do anymore. Yeah, exactly. Be, be, very, be very careful. You're like, wait a minute. It was my idea. It was my brand. Right. It's my face. Yeah, and they, and they say, like yeah, but it's anymore. my money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't like doing this anymore. Then you got yeah. yourself in a problem. Yeah. Um, yep. Let's uh, let's switch it up a bit, Ken. I want to talk um, more about uh, script to screen. So, um, so what kind of clients are you currently helping, and um, how, how exactly are you helping them? So, our client base are the the startups up to the biggest brands in the world. So, pretty much from you know when I say startup, you know people that have maybe have some traction as a startup they're the twenty thirty million dollars up to the billion dollar corporations where big big brands and what we do is we are a direct to consumer performance agency. What does all that mean so as as everybody knows, especially your listeners and you you yourself, Adam, you guys understand that the world's changing right the world is changing. The world of retail is changing and the world of online marketplaces are changing. Walmart and Amazon are not messing around, right? They're going to they're gonna do whatever they need to do as best for them and then that affects the retail, the brick and mortar. So what happens when a company, and let's say, for example, one of our clients is a company called Keurig. Everybody's familiar with a Keurig coffee maker, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. So, so what happens is they sell products on Amazon and they sell products at the retail partners like Target, Macy's, and all that kind of stuff. But the problem they have is they don't get that first-tier data, meaning that 
once they sell a product, that customer is, belongs to Amazon or that customer belongs to Target. Well, that hurts you as a business if you don't have that first-tier data because in order to have a long-term, sustainable, profitable business, you have to create a relationship with a customer. They, therefore, you can sell more to them. It's, the cost of acquisition is lower. There's just so many, many benefits. We can go on for hours on that alone. But So what we do is we create advertising, offline, online, radio, digital, social, everything, about how to sell a product or a service, and when I, when I mean service, I mean like a stitch fix or something like that where you're you know, selling a service to put together clothing or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how to sell that, how to, how to tell your whole story about your product, what's your value proposition, why are you unique. There, there's, I, again, that's a whole other podcast on how to do all that. But that's what we do, and we create that in every single platform where, where a customer's attention is because it's everywhere every day. And we create a direct-to-consumer business based on performance, meaning if we're going to spend a million dollars in media, we're going to deliver at least a million dollars back in immediate dollars. So you're basically getting several million dollars of branding and advertising for free. And that drives retail sales. It drives your, uh, your your online marketplace sales. But most importantly, you get first data to you so you can have a relationship with your customer, and the more and more and more you have of that list, if you will, the more and more valuable and less and less vulnerable you are to those other businesses. That's a great way to put it, and I and I can I can just tell you even anybody that's still linked on Amazon. So I sell a lot of books on Amazon, and it's always mm-hmm. one of those things. And I'm always in. I'm kind of like caught between those two places. It's like well. They're print on demand for the paperback. I don't have to deal with any inventory. I have to do anything. Yep, but, then, yep. but then it's like, oh, but then I don't have the data. So yeah, who was that person? A little bit to get the to, to get the data. I could do that. Yeah. But then it's like, so I can't. And again, I'm a, obviously a um, I, well, I'm a much smaller brand than Keurig. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that being said, even us little guys have that same problem. We're like, oh my gosh. So I understand what you're talking about firsthand about the data it's like so I find myself giving things away and you know other things and and you know social media and otherwise to make sure yeah. I start building some equity in the in those and that make build those longer term relationships but for those yeah. brands that have a, a that are larger and have that service and have traction on that and I can see this I mean the what I see what you're doing I see how you're doing it's quite amazing um what what do you think some of the um, some of the mistakes are that people like let's say somebody's listening to this right now and they they've always wanted to do something on TV but they maybe mm-hmm. never dipped their toe in the water and they're and they're kind of thinking about it. What are some of the kind of mistakes and or pitfalls they should avoid um, in going down that road? That's a great question because it's changed throughout the years and it's changing as we speak. I'd say the first thing it's not so much a pitfall, Adam, but it, it's a myth. A lot of companies have this idea in their mind that they can't afford television. And it's such a myth because it's performance-based, meaning when you have an equity advertising agency, right, they basically make a contact a contract with you and says, you need to spend X million dollars per year and they're going to spend it for you. Versus performance, we're going to say, listen, we're going to buy TV time with this amount of dollars and then we're going to try to get those dollars back immediately. Therefore, you're not out of pocket a lot of money. And and people don't understand that. There's a myth of, oh, I just can't afford to buy all this media time. Well, if you look at it 
holistically what we're trying to do you can you just there's just there's just the, the companies don't understand that and believe me the biggest companies in the world don't understand that and then once we get in there and talk to them about it, they say oh fantastic I, I get it I get it I get it and I guess that I, that's a myth uh, 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 you know um, one of the mistakes people make is that so what we do is we create commercials that are either 60 seconds, two minutes, or 28 minutes and 30 seconds, and then do shorter versions uh, on social and digital for mm -hmm. obvious reasons. But the biggest mistake is companies try to t say too much. They, they Instead mm -hmm. of just zeroing in on the problem that your product or, or service solves, they want to say, it does this, 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 and then you lose your potential customer. They get lost. They don't understand what your value proposition is. So the biggest mistake is, oh, I've got all this time. I'm going to throw everything in there. I want everything in. I want them to know everything. And then they, they end up not even understanding what your main value proposition is, what any problem you solve. So that's a, that's a, big, that's a big mishap. And the other, the other one is that you have to really understand the, the mistake is that they don't companies don't take they don't they don't give value into some of the data they already have with their current customer bases, and they say, well, we're just going to go try another channel, and they're different customers. Well, they're not really different customers. They're maybe in different places, but they're not different customers. And the mistake is they don't allow that that data to come to the surface so we can, as a company, really really break that data down, understand their customer behaviors, their buying behaviors, what they like, what they don't like. Therefore, it makes our job much more effective and efficient to really curtail a message to who they already know are buying their, their products versus us trying to figure it out from scratch, which is we can do it and we're very good at it, but why, why do that when you have all this data? And I don't know why companies feel like they have to hoard it, but it's a big mistake. Just let it let it go and let the experts help you. What's so interesting to me about that first tip you gave about the myth about people not being able to afford TV is that, mm -hmm. and I don't know how this took place. I have no idea. It's probably just because TV's been along longer, but the mm -hmm. concept of, you know, the, um, um, you know, putting, let's say putting the money in the cash machine, getting it back out. You just need to get yeah. more out than you're putting in or at least break even if you're going <laughs> for data. Um, yep. I don't know how or why, but Facebook and Google and all these other, like, they've done such a better job in kind yeah. of, in, like, they get that. Like, business owners waste money on Facebook. I mean, they that, that same large corporation that you mentioned um, will waste a million dollars on Facebook or something else immediately and see yeah. nothing. And, and why, I don't know, when if you come and tell them television, the person is, oh, it's expensive. I don't get how that happened. <laughs> I don't I don't understand it either and I think it's cuz they they're 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 lured into the misconception that mm. they're, they're branding and I think they are to a certain degree but at what point are you are you stop paying for that and mm -hmm. start getting something back so yeah yes you know LinkedIn that's it you know what that's it you just answered the question it's cuz for so many years People have been selling it to them as branding. That's exactly why nobody's ever sold them a Facebook ad on branding. Not really. Um, yeah, not, on, not, not, not really. Scale, not on a large scale. 
So no, you just answered the question. Thank you. Yeah, because we all know that Instagram and and Facebook yeah. and YouTube and all that those are marketplaces. So they're only going to spend as much as you have out there. But if you're spending, I mean, it's like if you're going to build a house, right? And your wife says, "I want to build this house," and our and our budget is you know a hundred thousand dollars, and then you know the budget. The next week is two hundred. Then it's three hundred. It's four. When do you say stop? When, when do you when do you say like, what are, what are we doing? We're not making any progress. We're spending two and three times. What what are we doing? So it's the same kind of thing, and you know what happens in our business is that that um, companies launch on Facebook, which are great. Those are great places to launch, but you cannot scale. You cannot scale because everything changes. You end up talking to your same customers over and over again, and then your 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 price per acquisition goes right through the roof because you keep talking to the same people and keep paying more for it. And you have to go offline. You have to go other places to fill the top fill the top of the funnel. And I'm sure your audience understands filling the top of the funnel because you know we're all in the same business. How do we get more people? into our ecosystem so we can give them our value proposition so they'll buy our product. Yeah, and they, I mean they they change the algorithm on you and you even Oh yeah. To, I mean you have you have a large even group or business or something else yeah. and now you're you're paying to get back to the same customer that said they wanted your stuff but they're yeah. not going to see it. I mean it's just right. the way it is. Which I mean yeah. they, they own it. It's okay. <laughs> they can do yeah. it. But yeah, and the private and the privacy being a bigger issue today is just going to get it's yeah. just going to get more and more challenging. So Ken, let's uh, see. So um, if somebody wants more information on uh, Script to Screen, what's the best way for them to reach out? So best place is go to scriptoscreen.com. That's S-C-R-I-P-T-T-O-S-C-R-E-E-N.com. Scriptoscreen.com. Um, and then if they are, you know, I I do a lot of speaking with big companies and organizations and conferences. If people are interested in like that, they can go to get. GetKenCarry.com. That's G-E-T-K-E-N-K-E-R-R-Y.com. GetKenCarry.com, and that's an that's information about you know kind of what I do and what I speak. But the company itself is Script to Screen, and then you know at, at Ken P Carry on Instagram, I'm I'm very active on Instagram. You can see what I'm doing there and follow my stories and everything that on on what we're doing with the biggest brands in the world. Oh man, great stuff. Well, hey, Ken, um, really appreciate you coming on the show today. Um, and by the way, everybody listening, Ken just gave you a, another big tip. He repeated his website two to three times so that you would remember it. Spurred like a true professional. <laughs> so thank you for that. I always tell people, I say, you got to say it more than once. They're not going to rewind. It's okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so remember, scripttoscreen.com. Um, and Ken, again, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your tips and your background and experience. Um, and also um, some, some things that people can follow up with you for. And to the audience, as always, thank you for tuning in. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave me a review, um, do all those great things that we do to support our podcasters. And uh, thanks again, Ken.